From Washington, this is the HPS Macrocast with Hamilton Place Strategies and Markets Policy Partners. Good morning. It's Friday, October 16th, and you're listening to the HPS Macrocast. I'm Matt McDonald in for Tony Frato this week. It's a whole different cast of characters today on the Macrocast. From HPS, we have Michael Steele and Megan Pennington. And from Markets Policy Partners holding down the fort, we have Brendan Walsh. Today, we, we're close to uh, Halloween, and we the, all the speculation is on whether we're going to get a stimulus trick or a stimulus treat out of Congress here, uh, closing in on the election. Today, we thought we'd we thought we'd talk about that for the, the full time and, and to help uh, illuminate everything. We brought in our colleagues, uh, a couple of colleagues on the HPS side, Michael Steele, who, um, among other things, worked at House Ways and Means and knows a lot about um, budget and budget process and all that good stuff. And then Megan Pennington, who worked uh, in the Senate uh, for Democrats on finance committee and worked on um, on tax reform, which certainly is going to be a focus uh, um, going forward if there is a Biden administration. Um, but let's start with Brendan and the market's perspective here on uh, why the markets are expecting stimulus. Um, and <laughs> that that I feel like every, every uh, time I come on and check in on the macrocast. Everybody's talking about how it's going to happen. And yet here we are. Uh, yes, definitely. And, and I think so people probably don't know, but Matt and I are the same age and we grew up one town apart. So when we were going to be the only two on this podcast, we decided rather than reminiscing about Western Massachusetts, it was probably better to get some experts on and talk about something that matters. I stand uh, by that decision. <laughs> but the market always has been very excited about a deal. Um, and I think what the market is pricing in is, especially as Biden's uh, poll numbers have gone up, that you're either going to get $2 trillion now with a, a bipartisan deal, or you're going to get $3 trillion in you know, January, February. So in terms of the market, they're willing to, to discount it and, and just price it in now. The, the issue lately, though, has started to get concerned because McConnell's really putting his foot down and he says 500 billion is all I think we need. So there is now the, the concern that if you don't get the blue wave and people do, you know, have split ticket votes and the, the, the Republicans are either able to keep the Senate or, you know, be enough that the, 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 the Democrats don't have enough uh, votes to pass their own three trillion that you could now just have this 500 billion uh, or maybe nothing if they want to be very obstructionist. So I think that is what is di- the market's digesting. And I'm really, really interested to hear what you guys think about it. <laughs> um, so Steele, do you, what's, what's your take on uh, what's going on in Congress in these deliberations? The thing that I, I mean, the, the question in my mind on some of this stuff is like, yeah, I don't know if, if we just get, 500 billion, 500 versus 500 billion versus whatever, a trillion, two trillion. What's, what's a couple trillion between friends. So like it does have this quality of, it really depends on the time horizon that you're talking about. I mean, this is not actually the first stimulus addressing the pandemic and the economic response. It's not clear to me that like, if there's a $500 billion stimulus now, there wouldn't be more money depending on how long this goes. I mean, the huge dependency is time. 
Um, and it's, it's kind of odd, at least for me to watch kind of the, the back and forth machinations when this is a, it's a, it's a dynamic environment. So we don't really know what exactly we're going to need over time either. Yeah. And I think that the needs of individuals and families are to some extent divorced from the needs of the market. I think that there are, um, exactly protections and benefits that are, that are expiring, that are going away or have expired already that a lot of families are depending on that don't make that big a difference in terms of, of the markets. You know, I, I thought for a long time that there was a, I, I still think there was a window to get this done. That window was in August and it was a 1.5 ish trillion dollar deal in August that would have passed the house with democratic votes, passed the Senate largely with democratic votes. And then a few vulnerable Senate Republicans. Those are the ones that are in tight races moderates like Susan Collins, uh, and maybe a couple of the retiring members, maybe Lamar Alexander Burr, et cetera. And for whatever reason, as everyone has kind of focused on the discussions between Secretary Mnuchin and Speaker Pelosi, those really couldn't matter less. I mean, the Speaker has gotten further from a deal in the sense that she's at a two trillion, two trillion plus figure and not budging either on that top line or the details of how it's administered or implemented, whereas McConnell has kind of drifted down to a, you know, Senate version of the Hastert rule that not only does he want a smaller package, but he's not willing to pass a package that doesn't have the support of at least half of his caucus. So the possibility of a largely Democratic bill that President Trump was okay with has gotten further and further apart. And I, you know, there's been a lot of kind of congressional cover people who do congressional coverage have been frustrated at the optimism of the markets because it's been pretty obvious really since, since Labor Day that this isn't going to happen, at least before the election. Well, and I think it's, we've moved into an, a, a stage where it is more about the content than it is about the dollar figure. I think, Steele, you're absolutely right. In August, when you had, okay, we're looking at the heating up of election season, people are going to have to go home, even though we're virtual. This is still like campaign crunch time. You have members that are worried about going home and uh, defending the, the what they've done to their voters. Now we've clearly passed through that phase and are in a totally different, we're starting to have the these are the, this is, I believe, the beginning of the conversation we're going to have in the lame duck and then in the new Congress, which is Republicans and Democrats and their fundamental differences on how they think you recover from this crisis. And it, Democrats are going to say, look, you have state and local governments that are going to go broke. Um, we're looking at layoffs of essential personnel. You have to do support for them. There's this lingering um issue of liability protection for business owners and Nancy Pelosi and Democrats are going to just complete are going to reject the notion that you can just broadly open up the economy and not put a ton of money behind testing behind uh, contact tracing um, support generally for the healthcare system I mean it's just it, we're going to just start getting into those fundamental policy issues I don't see like even in the lame duck, I don't I don't see a scenario where Democrats accept anything on liability protection until unless you get much higher than two point two so, trillion. So Megan, I wanna I wanna go through the the democratic game theory on this. So we have the election right around the corner that will decide they'll you know, at least for, for Democrats, they'll certainly know how you know the election is 
I think the conventional wisdom is the election is trending democratic. I don't see any reason why that and there's there's a lot of caveats going back through the years, right. but I would right. say that right. if you start with that premise is that, um, you know, our, at a minimum, it doesn't feel like anything's going to happen at this point until the election, just because there's so much there's so much that the politicos will now know about what the new power structure will look like. Is that fair? Yeah. I think that's right. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's anything happening on stimulus until after the election. I think um, in terms of scenarios, I don't I see I don't see a scenario where the House changes leadership. So um, it, I get there's one scenario where Donald Trump, Donald Trump wins. I think the then Senate is Republican. And then like that is a crazy who knows what Democrats are going to do. Then they have no power and I don't know what their position will be. If Joe Biden were, were to win the White House, you have the question of, is Senate go R or does Senate go D? I think regardless, you will see Senate Republicans that wanna do something quickly because they know the second bite at that apple is gonna be bigger and a, and a harder fight. So you could see, I think um, the idea of wanna just pass something and then go back to the well, I think you could see that. I don't think it happens if you have that liability protection for businesses without some huge number for other domestic health priorities. Um, so I, I see another fight. And, and then you have an, uh, the, the appropriations issue that's going to come into play. We have a CR that will expire. I believe the date is December 31st. Steel, is that right? Um, I think I looked that up. But we're going to have a fight on appropriations. And then we're going to start getting into just the general administering of or administration of government. I mean, it, it, are we going, how are we going to, you know, Republicans are going to say, we can't just be writing blank checks. We have to pay for these things somehow. Democrats are going to start looking at tax reform and saying, hey guys, we have individual rates that are expiring 20, in 2025. You gave corporate uh, corporations a huge tax break. And, you know, some would say that was the, the Democrats will look at that and say, here, we know how to pay for it. So there's a, so there's a, there's a scenario there where, well, if you assume for a second that um, you you have everything go Democratic, I think I think you're right. If it's if there's a Republican Senate or you know or Trump wins re-election, there's just there's more negotiation ahead. Who knows, right? But but if you if you have the Democratic Democrats take the Senate and the White House, then you're what you're saying is that there's no there's no reason for them to kind of pocket. The, a stimulus package that's lower than they want and then go back to the well, because presumably that would include things like, um, you know, litigation protection for business that substantively they're not going to, they don't want. And so it really all comes down to the particulars of the, yes. of what's included. In I think it, it comes down totally to the content of the bill and it, it's less about the dollar figure. That, yeah, that, I, the liability point is really important, and and that's right. kind of lost on the market. They're just kind of focused on the on the numbers, and and that doesn't really come up. That that's actually probably the most important uh, reason why we haven't got a bill. Yeah, I, I sort of have a slightly different view than Megan on the, the the sequencing and what what we look what we're looking at if there is a blue wave, if there is a democratic sweep. Uh, the current government funding actually runs through December 11th, I believe. Either way, the point is they have to do something in the lame duck. I would see what happens in the lame duck as a bridge to a larger package um, that a new President Biden presumably uh, wants as his first hundred days defining thing, which is a 
uh, very similar to the 2009 stimulus bill, American Recovery, what is it? Recovery. American Reinvestment and Recovery Act. Reinvestment ARA. Um, Something similar to that. Something that's a broad brush, COVID response, plus economic stimulus, plus infrastructure, transportation, et cetera. You know, a very big bill very early in his presidency. And what we're doing between now and then is kind of a bridge for temporary and immediate relief to get you to that bill. However, um, yeah, it's not clear that everyone is kind of aligned on that right now. I mean, Speaker Pelosi has been really clear she wants something big stimulus-wise uh, in the lame duck because she wants everyone's hands on it, because she's worried about a snapback of Republican concern about fiscal responsibility, and she wants them to be bought into on uh, this big recovery package rather than waiting for a Biden administration uh, to get that done. I just don't know that that's reasonable, particularly if, I mean, God only knows what President Trump looks like in a lame duck scenario. I mean, the, we, you still... Yeah. Like the tax reformers used to joke, all we need out of a president is two functioning digits to to sign the bill. Even that may not be guaranteed on a, a COVID stimulus function. And if uh, if the president is, you know, in some sort of denial or post-election litigation or uh, the sort of turmoil that we could see if it's not an unambiguous result. Oh, yeah, and remember so... that we the, we might not know on the Senate until December because both right. Georgia races are headed for runoffs. See, I'm not sold on Biden's first thing being a huge stimulus bill. Maybe it's stimulus and, but I just think that package, if for Biden, if Biden wins, especially if he has a Democrat Senate, it's like, I guess it could be stimulus, but it's going to be stimulus plus infrastructure, the carrying economy. This is, it's going to be like a massive remaking of the domestic economy. I, I, I don't, so, so I guess it could be a bridge to a stimulus, but I don't even know. I think it would just be so broad that calling it stimulus would be almost like cute. Well, I mean, I think it'll be like Aura in the sense that they will use the current crisis as an excuse to pass a variety of liberal policy priorities. You know, there, there okay, wasn't right. a reason to have green energy in the stimulus. That wasn't shovel ready. It was just a policy priority that Democrats felt was underfunded under President George W. Bush. Well, and I do think you're going to see Joe Biden will will be particularly focused on making sure he he will try to remake the domestic kind of economy, but it will be like laser focused on this is putting you back on track. So I do agree that it will be all um, uh, there will be a tremendous focus on. I haven't forgotten that everybody's. Um, bank accounts are are suffering and people are scared about their economic future. Like I, but I just I think there's going to be healthcare, shoring up Affordable Care Act, a huge infrastructure spend. And infrastructure will be tied to re- making schools safer, ensuring that businesses and schools have PPE. I mean, it'll just be early massive. childhood education. Obviously, yeah. will be a priority. That and I think that you'll have uh, advocacy groups on on climate change, trying to make that a vehicle for, for those efforts as well. So I, no, I totally think, agree and that will be a sticky. very big and defining event. Um, but it's, I, I just think we're going to need some immediate temporary relief during the lame duck to get us to this, this big bill in the, the first hundred days. Yeah. And I think that's an important point because we're talking about politics now, but when you look in terms of the economy, like our, the claims number, it, things are going the wrong way. And Yep. It's getting colder and COVID rates are uh, spiking and the, and the money's gone. So 
I, you know, we, we can't wait till February. There, there's a lot of people that, that need it. So whether, do you think, do you think there's an economic scenario where politics gets pushed out the door because it's just so clear that we need to, to, to spend something? I don't know. I'd ask you that. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't think it's a, there was something dramatic about the market action and the fears in 2008 that led to very shortly before an election, putting, putting politics aside to do what was economically right. You also, frankly, had just some more statesman-like figures who were involved yeah. in that discussion. And the market and, was at the lows, down. We thought everything is ending. The market is back to close to the highs now. Right, and that's and it's it's sad because the suffering is real. The impact on families is real, but it's not dramatic or visible the same way. So I I don't think you'll see that sort of bipartisan coming together um, before the election. The I, context I on that before that an election ends up as like a little bit of a hot potato of who's going to get the blame for X not happening. And the reality is that once the election is done and the votes have been cast and the consequences are there. And if whoever got, whoever ended up with the potato is just living with it. And so the, the immediacy that an election induces, uh, in terms of pressure for, for that type of thing, uh, is gone. What is that, Brendan, what does that timeline imply for the markets? Like, I mean, that, I just don't, it, my read, and I'm curious what you would say to this, but like my read of, of either of these kind of scenarios that uh, Megan and Seal are laying out doesn't feel like that's baked into what the markets are expecting. It feels like they're, they're more calibrated around a, the general idea of a Biden administration and what that would entail, as opposed to the particular sequence of events, spending and approvals that happens kind of between now and February. Yeah. And when we talk about markets, we have to talk about the, each individual market. The, the dollar and, and the, the bond market are not particularly optimistic. You know, rates are very low. So it's not like every market is pricing in. The equity market is much more excited about this. But the, the, the makeup of the equity market is weird now, too, because basically the entire rally has been because of the fang stocks and tech. Right. Uh, so they benefit from COVID. So the longer we stay in COVID, the more we use Zoom, you know? So there is a little quirkiness to the, the saying what the market wants uh, because, you know, actually getting a bunch of stimulus and handling COVID could actually be somewhat bad for the market in the short term because uh, some of the, the tech stops might go down. Um, and then there's such high weightings right now that, um, you know, the, for the short term, you could have that, that rotation. But I would say that the equity market is, is not caught up in the timing as of now. It, they're, they're more focusing on $3 trillion. That, that's so interesting, by the way, because I was just looking at something yesterday. Um, there, it, so it's like the tech um, stocks that you just mentioned, but then there are also like Peloton and yep. like those other at home like companies. I think somebody was saying in March Peloton stock was at like something like 15 and now it's at like in the 130s. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's like, so like all of these companies that are like adjusting quickly to make sure that people at home have like the, their creature comforts that can like try to simulate regular life. I mean, what happens to all of that expansion when like, it, it, you know, it, when we start going back, I, I 
Yeah, so I mean, today Pfizer <laughs> announced that they're they're gonna hopefully in you know mid to late November uh, apply for emergency use of their vaccine. So we're we're getting closer, knock on wood. <laughs> but even even then, you know, you're talking about six to nine months before everybody can get it. Well, well and to go on a on a different track, you know, the a blue sweep also has pretty substantially different. Uh, considerations for antitrust and, and legal challenges, yep. regulatory challenges for particularly for those tech, tech stocks that are that are driving the rally right now. Yeah, and, and that's uh, a topic that is definitely getting a lot of because and also the, the antitrust is a little confusing because the Trump administration isn't really a Republican administration; it's the Trump. So their view on right. you know Silicon Valley is probably a little different than uh, you know the average senator Republican. So. Uh, it's hard to digest exactly what what you know Facebook or Google uh, happens in terms of the antitrust under Biden uh, versus Trump. Biden might actually be better uh, than Trump, but he. I, I, I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, particularly, it's it's a conservatives seem to have concerns about big tech from a first amendment free speech point of view, the belief yeah. that they're, that they're shadow banning, that they're, you know, and the, the Twitter and Facebook's handling of the um, New York post story this week on Hunter Biden only intensified those concerns. But I don't see that impacting the business of Facebook, Google, et cetera, in the same way as say antitrust limitations and, and really kind of going back and it, it seems as though a lot of left-leaning policymakers have decided retrospectively that allowing Facebook and Instagram to get together was a really poor idea and anything remotely resembling that will be blocked in the future. Yeah. And if there's some way to unwind some of those combinations, they're going to be looking to do that. Yeah. Which I think important. of as a much bigger threat to the business than um, the discussions around political speech in the First Amendment. Yeah, unless unless the discussions around speech uh, start reopening Section Two Hundred and Thirty and those protections, I mean that that would have a huge impact on. Uh, I mean, certainly on startups in that space, but also the companies themselves. It's different. It's slightly different. <clears throat> you know, the the talk around tech antitrust and breakup tech and tech lash and that sort of stuff. It's not a very like cogent conversation in a lot of corners it's there, there's not a lot of it's not super well rooted in like antitrust law it's just kind of like i'm grumpy i don't like them for x break them up and that's what the market kind of views it as is it's hard to do it and it hasn't happened so far so if it if right. we're on the one yard line that's when they'll pay attention so ironically <laughs> it actually could be good for the market a lot of investors want these companies broken up investors have constantly been for uh, want google to to sell off pieces because the sum of the parts would probably be more than the the whole hey, megan i uh i'm remind you're talking about the uh the companies that are trying to simulate a real life at mm -hmm. home my my oldest son got an oculus at the uh toward the <laughs> beginning of the pandemic and one of the games was uh office worker where like <laughs> <laughs> that goes into virtual reality and has to make coffee and and, and, uh, and like photocopy things. And 
he was telling me that it's very fun, but I have to say that it hit a little close to home and I've, I've elected to take a pass on that, so. Yeah, well, it's like, it's like the computer icons that like show um, regular dial phones and like people, like kids now are like, what is Novelty. that? Yeah, like how do we, yeah. do, how, why would anybody use a Rolodex or, a, or like a, a, a book to write down people's phone numbers? Yeah, I was watching a football game last year, and uh, one of the QBs, uh, they handed him one of those phones, he looked at it, and he put the whole thing up to his ear. That's hilarious. <laughs> he had no I idea what it was. No, All right, let's, there's so many old jokes to be made, but let's take a, <laughs> let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the week ahead. You're listening to the HPS Mattercast. Have you heard the news? The HPS Macrocast is expanding into the HPS podcast channel, which offers our listeners access to all of Hamilton Place Strategies podcast shows in one convenient place. The HPS podcast channel is home to all of our new and past podcast episodes on your favorite podcast streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, and more. If you're already subscribed to the HPS Macrocast, do nothing. If you aren't, subscribe now to have weekly HPS Macrocast episodes and the latest from HPS Insights delivered straight to your podcast streaming service. To learn more about our podcasts and other original content, visit hamiltonplacestrategies.com slash insights. All right, we're back on the Macrocast. Um, Brendan, what do we have for the week ahead? So uh, earnings season started this week, uh, so it'll continue, obviously, next week. Um, and, and so far, actually, the earnings have been quite good. Uh, it always kind of starts with the, the big banks, uh, you know, the JP Morgans and Morgan Stanley's of the world. Uh, and uh, for the most part, the earnings have been getting good. Uh, a lot of it's been on a huge trading uh, revenues. Uh, and also uh, mortgage uh, demand it has been through the roof. Uh, but the, the market kind of discounted it. The, the stock's huge beast, but, the, you know, they're only up slightly on the, on the week. Um, and actually, so in terms of some stats, so the numbers coming into the third quarter, uh, analysts had expected earnings to be down 26% year on year. Uh, and now if the first quarter holds, it'll only be down about 14%, uh, but only 12.3% of the market cap as, um, as reported so far. So, so far so good, but it hasn't really driven the market significantly higher. I think part of that is fears of the, the second wave of COVID uh, and also what we were talking about exactly today, that maybe the markets get, their, their confidence in a, in a huge deal might be getting uh, shaken a little bit. Yeah, it also feels like, I mean, it's, on some level we're getting as we get closer to having an understanding of what the future looks like, right? Of whether that, you know, there's like hints of another wave in the winter and everyone has that theory, but it's not exactly, Europe looks bad, but here it's not entirely clear that that's going to happen the way it could. You have the election in a couple weeks where you'll know a lot more about the future then. It just seems like on some level, it seems like if you're, if you're, um, you know, if you're following the market, it seems like an odd time to, um, I mean, it's just a lot of uncertainty that'll yeah, be resolved fairly soon. It's a couple percent below its highs. So it's yeah. not like, you know, it's cheap to buy. So I, I agree. I think what you're just seeing is people just waiting and it's, yeah. Uh, t- let's talk to me in like November and then I'll, I'll, I'll make some bigger decisions. Uh, and t- today, actually, we got a, a very good I will talk to you in November. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, today we got a good retail sales number, which going back to the discussion could be bad for, uh, 
you know, uh, relief uh, bill negotiations. So if people are spending money, we don't need to give them money. All right, that's that's it for the Macrocast this week. I'm Matt McDonald with HPS. Thanks to Megan and Steele for joining us. Thanks to Brendan from Markets Policy Partners. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to the HPS Macrocast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share.